Welcome back to That Oxford Girl podcast. I'm Poddy Wilson, and each week I'll be speaking to a current Oxford student about their experience at the world's most famous university. My guest this week is Ariana Sethi, who is a third-year student of history and English at Regent's Park College. In the interview, I'll be asking her all about her application experience as an international student, her rather unusual interdisciplinary course, as well as her involvement in college life. Hello, Ariana. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. So you're currently in your third year studying history and English at Regents Park College. Um, I'd like to get to know a little bit more about your experience of applying from the States. Can you tell me how that began and the obstacles you faced? Yeah, sure. So I um, didn't really decide that I was going to apply until quite late. So I applied in October with everyone else, but I decided around like maybe June or July that I was going to apply to Oxford and um, that basically came as a result of the fact that here I get to study like I do history and English so I got to do history and English right away um, as opposed to if I had stayed in America I would have had to do like lots of different subjects Um, so when I was trying to decide which course I was going to apply to I think I was pretty sure that it was going to be history but it was either history and politics history and Spanish or history and English Um, and in the end I decided it was going to be English because I really enjoyed my courses in school Um, in terms of applying as an international student I think it was quite difficult because I didn't have very much guidance from um, like my school or anyone else that I was that I had spoken to because no one I knew had gone to Oxford or internationally really uh, because I don't think it's very common for American students to leave the U.S. and in some places it's like almost impossible um but what I did find really helpful was I found lots of like current Oxford students or at least Oxford students at the time um on Instagram accounts and like YouTube and um one professor that I think lots of people have probably heard of um at Jesus College um I think his name is Matt Williams who does loads of YouTube videos and when I was taking my admissions tests and like putting together my personal statement and everything I found that really helpful um I think what would have probably been useful is knowing other people who were applying to Oxford or people who had. Uh, but as I said, like I would just DM random Instagram pages of people who were like giving out application tips and ask for advice. And surprisingly, everyone is really, really willing to help. Um, so you told me that you attended an open day and that gave you an idea of what college life might be like. Um, how was the open day for you as someone viewing it from another country? Yeah, so the open days were online because of COVID, which I think was probably very like helpful for me because I wouldn't have been able to go otherwise um even though the circumstances were obviously bad for that to have to happen um I went I remember the things that I found the most useful were the sessions that had international students um at from different colleges just asking or just answering questions and giving like little presentations and we could ask them questions the professors like and tutors would ask them questions um and they gave lots of like logistical help and Um, What I found especially useful was explaining how the personal statement needs to be different from an American personal statement, because we write basically the same amount of words just about completely different things um, in the US to apply to college, because that's a lot more like personality based and less about like the actual research and subject and things. Um, I also really found it helpful to hear from tutors um, at specific colleges, because even though I didn't end up really applying to any of them, um, I really enjoyed hearing how directly involved they are in the admissions process because I think it gave me a lot of faith that someone who was actually potentially going to be teaching me is the one reviewing my application like looking at what I'm sending them. Can you remember the kind of things you included on your personal statement for 
Peroxide. Yeah. Um, so background, I was basically only applying to Oxford because I had applied to loads of American universities, but I did. So my personal statement was a lot more, I think, focused on specifically what Oxford is looking for. So this might not apply to everyone, especially if you're applying to different courses in different universities. But um, I spoke a lot about the connection between history and English because I thought, like, I think basically what I said was that in order to study history properly, we have to look at, like, texts. And those texts, like, give us insight into the way that people think and feel even beyond, like, court records and things like that. Um, So I included lots of stereotypically English literature books, but then did, like, a bit of historical analysis, like, just a, like, sentence or two, not too much, because it is a personal statement um, on them. And then I did also have some historical texts that I looked at from, like, a literary point of view. So all of it kind of came together to talk about how um, both subjects are connected. And then I did have a short little section about um, I think it was like a one paragraph. I think the general rule was like 80% to 20% of extracurriculars. And it was just about things that I did outside of my degree. But the goal there was to demonstrate that even though I was doing these things outside of my degree, I was still like, I don't know, academically performing well at school. So I could like balance things um, to show that like Oxford, even though it's a busy place, I can do that here as well. Yeah, I think that's so important as well. And we'll come on to your um, societies you've been involved in a little bit later on in the interview. You also had to undertake the history admissions test the hat which you've told me that the rules have slightly changed in recent years so that if you're doing an interdisciplinary course such as history and english you'd also have to take the elap but your experience was specifically with the hat what what was that like yeah so i think now you have to take both but when i took the hat i had the best time and i know that sounds a little bit ridiculous but i genuinely really enjoyed it and i think that that was like when I was prepping for the hat that was one of the things that really made me convinced that this was the right course to apply to was the fact that I was really enjoying my prep um I think the single most useful resource that I found was the Jesus College YouTube videos that I mentioned prior um he really I think there's like a video that's like about an hour long on just the hat and he really takes it down and like deconstructs everything and like how you need to think how you need to prep um what I did was I went through the website um the Oxford website and it has hats I think from 2012 to present I think um and I took all of them and I didn't necessarily write a paper for each of them um in timed conditions but I did make and make a plan for each of them and then I would like mark it against the examiner's comments and mark scheme um which was like I think very helpful and it was very exciting because by the time that I took it in school I was actually just like having a good time learning about a new topic Fab. I really like uh, hearing you talk about the, the fact that you enjoyed preparing in the first place because I think yeah. that does actually really come through during the application process, whether or not you're enjoying the stuff you're doing. Um, you also had to send in a couple of pieces of previous work. I know this posed a little bit of an obstacle for you due to the structuring of the American sort of high school educational system. What were those obstacles? Yeah, so for history and English, when I applied, you had to send in one piece of history <clears throat> and two English ones. And the issue that I ran into, which I don't know if everyone else <clears throat> um, who's American would have, but is that in my school, the way that the history courses worked was I had the opportunity to take a couple per year. So I had already taken all of the history courses that I could at my schools by the time I was applying. And so um, we go up to 12th grade in America. So by the end of 10th grade, I'd taken all of the history courses that I could, which meant that when I was applying, I was taking a government class. And the year before that, I'd taken an international relations and economics class. So I didn't actually have any history coursework to submit that wasn't like two years old. So what I ended up doing is submitting a government um, piece of 
writing that I had given like a slightly historical bent because I wrote about like a historical part of the US government um, course. And in my interview, I remember them asking, how would you change this if you were doing a history course? Um, and then for English, I had a similar issue because I hadn't started taking a literature course. I was taking language and the language course that I took at my school had a lot of creative writing involved. So I ended up sending in a essay that was part creative and part literary analysis. And then I sent in one literature essay that I had written at the beginning of 12th grade um, before I applied. So what happened was I don't think that like looking at the scores that I got um, on both of those, which I requested after being admitted, I think they understood within the context of my like coursework and of my writing that I was capable of doing a good job, but that these weren't necessarily like the most um, representative things, which so then they asked me about them in my interview. Um, I do think, though, that it's worth mentioning that um, the Oxford University guidance, I think on the website, as well as like other sources, does say that um, they will look at your written work in context. So they'll look at your teacher's comments because most of my teacher's comments were just good or well done. And if they didn't push me to change something, then they couldn't, then the tutors couldn't possibly expect that I would have changed that thing in the first place, if that makes sense. So while we talked a lot in my interview about how I could have made my writing better, they weren't saying that it was something that I should have already known. So there's always like room for talking and improvement. Um, and speaking of talking, you were asked to interview um, that later that year. You were pulled to Regents for your interviews and you said that you had one for each of the disciplines in your sort of joint honours degree, that being history and English, which for someone who's applying this year might be different, might be that they're more interdisciplinary, they're more sort of combined with both subjects. Um, but you had sort of two more distinct interviews. What were the kind of questions you were being asked? Yeah, so, okay, so I had an English interview and then a history interview right after. And I think they did try to make them interdisciplinary, but they were very much like an English and then a history interview. So for the English one, um, I had two tutors um, and they sent me a, like, extract from a play, I think, from a Shakespeare play, Richard II, maybe, um, uh, about 15 minutes beforehand. And I had some time to think about the question, how does this extract tell you about um, representing history on the stage, I think. And I had no clue where it came from and I'd never read the play before, um, which I think is quite helpful because I didn't have time to like get in my head about whether or not what I was saying was accurate. I could just like extrapolate from the text. They then, I think they then asked me Honestly, I don't remember very many things because I think I blocked it out, but they did. They asked me about the text and about um, like specific instances of like either the chorus speaking or a main character speaking and how that changed like audience perception and things like that. And then I think a lot of the um, interview was actually based on my personal statement in which I talked about Pride and Prejudice and um, as just one of the texts. You don't have to talk about like super well-known texts in your personal statement and other ones that I did weren't about that. Um, but I had lots of conversations about that text in particular and about like social class and the way that landowning like gentry were portrayed in the text as opposed to people who had similar amounts of money but um, worked a job to get that money and how there was a difference between Jane Austen's portrayal of the both of them. And then for my history interview, I had three tutors which was like quite terrifying to be honest um but the first bit of that was I think about my personal or about my written work um and I was asked about how I would change it or like completely 
write differently about it if it had been a history course. And then we talked a little bit more about the themes that I represented in it. Um, and then the second bit was about my personal statement. And this one was specifically talking about the Medici family and the Renaissance, because I had said that reading The Prince helped me understand like the social context, because um, I was trying to explain how like literature was helping me understand history and like how it was a both a literary and a historical text and how they're kind of the same thing. And I remember actually I think this is a really good thing to point out is that I continuously said the wrong thing, not objectively wrong, but not definitely not what my tutor was wanting to hear um, during that bit. And she didn't say, oh, my gosh, you're so wrong. She just kind of kept asking me more questions and more questions. And eventually I decided that like I was. I wanted to change what I'd said a little bit. And she was very receptive to the fact that I wanted to change. So I think the most important thing to remember in your interviews is not that you need to be right. It's that you need to be coachable and like you need to understand because even in a tutorial now, I say things incorrectly all the time. Um, and the important bit is just being able to adapt. And then the final part of that interview um, was looking at a medieval painting um, of like, I think, one king sitting on a throne and like three or four like bowing down to him and bringing him presents or something like that and I was meant to analyze that and talk about what I thought um and what different images meant and like what different birds represented and things like that and obviously I and again here actually I made a mistake and I said that doves represented something they didn't but all he did was he um presented me with what they actually meant and then I made a new um like I I created a new idea based on that and then we had a really good conversation and that interview actually went like pretty long um and we had to cut it short and I was having a great time again which I think was a good indication of the fact that I actually wanted to be here yeah definitely I think as you say the ability to nuance or to change your mind or develop your ideas or yep. take in new information is, is one of the more key things they're looking for in these interviews. So you then received a place at Regent's Park College. It's not one of the sort of better known colleges. It's quite tucked away, quite small. I wonder if you could tell me a bit more about the college itself. Yeah, um, so Regent's is objectively the best college <laughs> at Oxford. Um, it, But as you say, it is quite small. So there are about 35 people in a year, although my year has slightly more more than that because we've absorbed a different college um, in my second year. Yeah, it's quite a friendly place. And I think the reason that that is, is because there are people coming from so many different backgrounds, even within just 35 students every year. And because we're so small, we get to know each other really, really well. And I don't think there's a single undergraduate at this college, like in all seriousness, whose name I don't know or who I haven't had a conversation with. And so when I go to the JCR, and this is, I think, quite uncommon based on the experiences that I've heard from my other friends. When I go to the JCR, which is the junior common room, which is like a communal space for undergrads, um, no matter who's there, it doesn't matter. And I'm always able to just go in and chat with them, even if I don't actually know them or if I haven't, if I've only spoken to them once because of the fact that we kind of view everybody who goes to regions as a friend and kind of like as your home base and your family. Um the other interesting thing about Regents is that it's a PPH, which is a permanent private hall of the university. Um, that doesn't really have much of a bearing on your daily life as an undergrad, but what it does mean is that um, often PPHs are like have religious affiliations. So Regents is affiliated with um, a particular type of Baptist, and <clears throat> I think that means that Baptist ministers like are fellows of the college or run some part of the college, something like that. Um, but practically all it means is that we have loads of BTH students who are training to be ministers and we have, we're have we really strong at philosophy and theology and like just theology and religion. 
And we also have an underground archive of loads of like Baptist texts that come from that connection. Um, so yeah, great college, would recommend. You've also been involved in a college sports. You have uh, done a little bit of coxing on the rowing team, which I mean, rowing is, is just part and parcel of the Oxford experience, but coxing in particular, I, I personally don't know much about. I'd love to know a little bit more about it. Yeah, so basically, um, coxing is the person who's at the front of a boat and sees where we're moving because usually when rowers are rowing on the river they're rowing backwards so they can't actually see where they're going um so the cox is at the front giving directions and i think it's often portrayed as just like this person who's just shouting um but that's not exactly what it's like um there's a lot of steering and involved in a lot of thinking and making sure that obviously you don't run into other crews but also like how to motivate your team how to keep them excited how especially during a race when it's like six minutes of just intense rowing how to make sure that you're like varying up the paces you're in charge of like making sure everyone's going at on time etc um and it's quite a stressful time, but it's also really fun um, because you get to see your team improve and you get to like have a direct hand in that because you can tell them what to do and like help them with drills. And you get to kind of be an on the water coach, even though you do have an off the water coach, obviously. So there's a, a couple of sort of major races coming up later in the year. We've got yeah. the weeks of uh, eights and then the other one. Is that torpids or is that bumps? I can never remember. Oh, bumps is the type of racing. So bumps there's torpids the and then eights in summer. Yeah. There we go. And I take it you've got some some happy memories of these times in your previous years. So this year I'm actually not um going to be coxing those two because it's my finals year and I have quite a bit of studying to do. Um but in past years, yeah, we've had quite interesting campaigns. Um I think it's been a really great bonding experience and like getting to know my team really well has been really nice and I've always been proud of them no matter what our outcome is because it means because it's like for weeks you see each other at like 6 30 in the morning um four times a week and everyone gets there and everyone shows up for each other and kind of like gets to know each other really well and you can see people improving really fast because there isn't really time in Oxford to improve slowly. So we have to like get good very fast, especially if it's like a completely new team that's never rode before. Um, and the week itself is so fun, even if it's quite stressful um, because so many people will come out to support. And because Regions is such a lovely place, like I was saying before, it ends up being that if you go to Hull during a race, like absolutely no one is there because everyone is out either at, either studying or at the rowing um and it's just really nice to see everyone come together and just to return to your course again for a second because it is yeah. quite an unusual course in that much as it's a sort of joint honors degree as you say it's it's very much a mixture of history and english i wonder if mm -hmm. you could describe for someone who might be thinking of applying what they could expect from this course yeah, you absolutely should. So basically, history and English is a unique joint honours degree because um, it's quite interdisciplinary in that we do have classes as an entire history and English cohort because there are only about like 12 to 14 people in a year um, spread out around different colleges in Oxford who do history and English. And so we have joint classes um, on specifically like interdisciplinary things. And as I was mentioning earlier, it's really, really difficult to um, separate historical and literary texts at times. Um, so we do have two courses in your finals papers, which have to be interdisciplinary. So your dissertation that you write, which is your like big personal research project, um, has to be both history and English. And there's something called a bridge paper, which is a history and English course in your second year, which is taught by both faculties as well. And there's one in your first year as well. So it's quite 
unique and that you get to actually combine both disciplines, which I think is really exciting. Wonderful. Um, you are also involved in your JCR, which is the, the junior yeah. common room of your college. You've got a couple of roles going. Could you tell me a bit about what they involve? Sure. So I am the international students officer, which um, because I'm American <laughs> and I had a lot of different like I had a lot of difficulty setting up kind of technical things when I first got here, like bank accounts and phone numbers and like different things that are notoriously very difficult to do as an international student. Um, So at the end of my first year, I decided that I was going to run for international students officer for the following year. And I created like just like a kind of handbook that I could send to incoming students so that they wouldn't have to go through all of the like similar troubles that I did, I guess. Um, And it's been just really fun because it just involves being there for people. And like, if they have questions, they can come to me. And in Freshers Week, um, Regents has a welfare event for every JCR officer role. And so I just kind of get to know everybody. And because it's so small, there are only a few of us. And we just go either get ice cream or something like that and go for a walk um, and just chat. And it's really nice. The other role I have is the JCR development officer, which means that I... um, I'm in charge of things like the social media. So I run the JCR Instagram and as well the JCR website, which doesn't require that much work. Um, But I get to kind of present regents to the outside world, to prospective applicants, to um, like alumni, which is really fun because sometimes I post about like specific tutors um, and things like that. And I'll get like loads of comments on um, my stories being like, oh, I remember him or like, oh, I I love that class or something like that, which is really sweet. Um, as well as I get to work with the college development office to help with like um, fundraising and alumni outreach and that kind of thing as and also I get to work with our access and outreach um, officer in the JCR as well as our access and outreach like committee um, to see how we can make regions a more accessible and diverse place. And just going back to your, your role as international officer is there one major piece of advice you'd like to give to a prospective international student? Oh um Yes, and I'm going to be very cliche, but um, you should do it even if it feels like it's never going to happen because I can't, I honestly cannot count how many people directly told me in my time applying to Oxford that I was not going to get it. And it wasn't even like, oh, you know, it's quite difficult as an American, whatever. It was just, no, it's not going to happen. You should stop. And I think that there's nothing quite as motivating as someone telling you that you shouldn't get in and let this be your motivation to tell you that you will if you try because there's nothing stopping you from potentially getting in and having a great time here and I think finding resources even if they aren't readily available is always possible and there are tons and tons of application advice um, videos and Instagram accounts and things like this podcast (laughs) um, which are quite helpful. Yeah, just leading off from that, um, I wonder if you could tell me about your experience with that Oxford girl, which, yeah, yeah all the kind of the blog posts or, or events that you've been to, um, just your your involvement, really, what, what shape has it taken? Yeah, so I read, like, I think all of the blog posts on the website um, about how to get into Oxford or international student experiences, or actually just like the experience of being here. I think both are equally valuable because... Um, Yes, it's nice to have like specific advice for how to get in when you're applying, but it's also really nice to like visualize yourself in the place that you're going to, because I think that gives you like an excitement every day that just thinking about, oh, I have to do this and this and this and this um, doesn't. And also, I think when you have like a roadmap, like the one that the Oxford girl gives you through reels and blog posts and whatever, all you can really do is your best. And once you figure out how you can do your best by like 
using resources like this, I think, at least for me, it gave me a sense of like peace. Once I submitted my application, I was like, okay, whether or not I get in, it doesn't really matter anymore. I know that sounds silly, but it genuinely feels like it doesn't matter. It's just because I've done the best that I possibly could have. Um, and so I think like using things like this is a great way to do that. Yeah, I think that Oxford Girl was like the only thing I opened on Instagram every single day when I was trying to apply um, to Oxford because I found like all the tips and advice so helpful. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for speaking to me today. Yeah, of course. My thanks again to Ariana for speaking to me. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to follow the podcast on your preferred platform and to tap the bell to be notified when the next episode is live. I hope you'll join me again next time.